Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Sorry You're In My Seat, a weekly podcast that unites two best friends on a quest to find the greatest movies of all time. I'm your host, Aaron, and each week I have the pleasure of talking movies and films with my best buddy, James. Hello there. And this week, once again, no exception, as we take on another year in the 90s. Yeah. Tell me more, James. Well, we've decided that you love these episodes so much and we're trying to find our quest is to find the greatest movies of all time and select them and keep them safe in our bunker. But sometimes, some years are just better, mate. They're just better. Like, we'll always remember 1986 because it gave birth to me, the greatest human being that ever lived. And then sometimes there's films. <laughs> so, so we, you know, the last episode we did, we took on like 999, I believe. And Good year. We, we were thinking maybe it was the best year. And one of you got in touch and said, maybe we should have a look at 94. And we thought... Well, we've run out of ideas, so why not? It's the world that never runs dry. It's well never dry until we've done all of time. <laughs> but it was good to see it. So we've done 1990 because yeah. it was nice to see the movies that came out of the 80s, So, which is a real interesting time in cinema. The 80s are finished. Um, <laughs> Tango and Cash, the last movie from the 80s, birth into the 90s. How did it carry? How did it transition? 1990 was a good year for film. 1999 was also good. We've done 95? I know. I think we've only done three, I think. Okay. I think. But 1995 on the list? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. So we'll do it at some point. So obviously we're not doing these chronologically. This week we, we are looking at 1994. Good. Yes, we are. 994. And let's just say 994. One of the earliest years I can remember. I was, I was young. 994. I know it's not for you because you weren't a football guy, but the World Cup in football, USA 94, this brilliant concoction of this this country that had no idea what soccer was. It was a farce. I remember the final ceremony, Diana Ross, she had to kick a ball in a goal and then the goal exploded, you know, mm. because of the idea of the penalty went in and the goal it would, it would explode and, and she missed <laughs> and the goal still exploded. <laughs> Fucking brilliant. What a time to be alive. England weren't there. So you had to support Ireland. It was brilliant. It was... It was you had to support You, you had to. They were the only, one, the only country that you recognised it. It came down to Romario versus Di Baggio and Di Baggio took that penalty that went into the sky and never came back. It's all in the earth. What a time to be alive. But also, there was films. There was films. <laughs> and it was a... I think it's a great time because it's we're on the cusp of our childhood. Some of the films that we'll be talking about today are some of the films that I watched at that time. Macaulay Culkin was still a thing, mate. Ted Danson still had a career. I'm just saying, 994, could it be this year? We're about to find out. If you like this episode, don't forget to like and subscribe. We get a new episode each and every week. And we thank you for your continued support with the billions of episodes and podcasts that are out there that you continue to listen to ours. But do just, just tickle that subscribe button. Yeah, if you think- Maybe, maybe click that button. Yeah, and leave a line. review, maybe. Well, what about a share with a friend? Oh, I like that idea, James. Let's, let's try and brighten up your commute or your travel to and from work, your dog walk, your workout, whatever mm. it is that you're doing right now. We hope that we can entertain that special part of your inner ear. Maybe you're trying to drown out the sound of someone you hate. <laughs> Thank you for letting us be that drowning out sound. Now, like I always like to start, a little bit of a game. Highest grossing films of 1994. Number mm. 10, clear Present danger. Harrison Ford back in again in the uh, Ryan series. This one has to be an automatic like for you because you said every time they say the name of the film has to be considered for the vault. And I'm just saying, clear and present danger, there's the moment, it's the most obvious in the film because if you've got one of these sheets and he goes, no, but it's clear that there's a clear and present danger. And then Harrison Ford turns to the screen, gives you a wink. <laughs> I, I love it when a film shoe, like shoe horns its title in there because if it's, 
if it's like the Adams family, then that's fine because you're going to say the Adams family at some point, but hmm. particularly when it's when like, it make any sense. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, you want them to try and get that in there somewhere. Just, I'm a bit disappointed that no one's ever gone, oh, Star Wars, that Phantom Menace. Yeah. <laughs> it shakes, shakes their fist. Uh, number nine, interview with a vampire. So if you weren't feeling sad about yourself, you know what I mean? Bleak movie. Fucking long as well. Yeah. I never, I've never seen that film all the way through from start to finish. I've always had to have a break from the bleakness. I've, I've, I've watched it numerous times growing up. I was a big fan of Anne Rice book when I was growing up. Mm. Um, and uh, I, I like this film. I like the gothicness of it. But again, when you're older and you rewatch it, you're like, Christ, this is this is depressing. <laughs> He's very depressing. Maybe more on that later. Four weddings and a funeral. Getting get mm. some nice Hugh Grant comedy in there with a, well, romance as well. Well, and we, we talked about the uh, the centre parting, the hair curtains, and no one wore those curtains better than Hugh oh, Grant in the 90s. That's literally all he was famous for. Mm. That and being... Charmingly befuddled. Uh, and it is Andy McDowell. Just just in case you go back to episode one, well, I got it right, but I apologise. It's Andy McDowell. Not Malcolm McDowell. That's a completely different movie. Yeah, no, yeah. Um, seven, Dumb and Dumber. Quite surprised that made so much. It's, it's in the seven, but then again, when I say some of the next films, you're going to go, should have been I. <laughs> yeah, Dumb and Dumber is a weird one because I, I see interviews now with, um, not Jim Carrey, uh, Jeff Daniels. Jeff Daniels. And Jeff Daniels is like, I did Speed that year. And then I did Dumb and Dumber and everyone was telling him, don't do it. Don't go up against Jim Carrey. He's going to laugh you out of the water. People are going to think you're an idiot. Um, and Jim Carrey like really went out of his way to get Jeff Daniels cast in that movie mm. because he needed the drama person to go against his ludicrous slapstick. I'm just going to say that at the time, you would have thought that the one of them that would have the sustained career, and I'm not not saying Jim Carrey hasn't, but Jim Carrey has not fallen from grace, but isn't in that much. Jeff Daniels is everywhere like, Everywhere at the minute. he's aged really well, hasn't he? Has he? And, and I tell you what. And has got better with age, like a good wine. You won't get some of the comedy that you get nowadays, like the fucking scene where they give the blind kid a bird without <laughs> his head. You're not getting that in a, in a comedy film anymore. Well, how about truly, so it comes up on the list a lot of the time at number six of films that must have, you know, bombed at the box office, but it fucking didn't because the sixth highest grossing film in 1994 was The Flintstones. Wow. 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 Don't worry, let's not get into it now. Let's save ourselves. <laughs> Number five, Jeff Daniels' most second film of the year, of Speed. But Jim Carrey wasn't going to be beat, mate, because at number four was The Mask. Wow. Yeah, exactly. And number three, I know you ask yourself this question all the time. When did guns become sentient? Because number three, in like a bullet, it's true, lass. It's coming. When, when it comes up, mate, you can talk about that. Number two, Forrest Gump, meaning that there was only one king of the jungle. One King of the Pride. Wait, so it's not Leprechaun 2. <laughs> it's not Leprechaun 2, I'm sorry. <laughs> it was The Lion King, which obviously is a beloved film, which for some reason, 20 years later, someone decided to make it to a fucking live action remake, which, which won an award for animation. <laughs> which to me still doesn't make any sense. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, the world needed Beyonce voicing a lion. <laughs> it did. <laughs> it's, so as lists go, I... It's missing some big hits, but well, like we discovered when we did 998 or 999, there was, just because a film was commercially successful, doesn't necessarily mean it was the best. And what has 94 got to offer? Well, before we get into that, I've got some more news for you. Um, the Oscars, the next year, coming from the 994 films, Forrest Gump wins Best Picture, beating The Shawshank Redemption. Mm. <laughs> Robert Zemeckis wins Best Director over Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> yep. Tom Hanks beats Morgan Freeman and a resurgent John Travolta, maybe. Yeah, I guess, yeah, <laughs> the, the latter part, maybe. 
Uh, what else happened in 99? Wait, hold on. So you're trying to tell me that the award ceremony got it wrong, James? <laughs> yeah. You're trying to tell me the award ceremony is full of shit? I know that it's got like a history of being right 100% of the time, <laughs> but maybe not this time. Um, but what else happened in 1994? Well, the previous Oscar, Steven Spielberg won his first Academy Award for Schindler's, Schindler's List. Schindler's List, yeah. Pierce Brosnan is named the fifth actor to play James Bond mm. in 1994. Val- God, if they had a time machine, <laughs> if they could see what was coming. Well, you might have saved that for the next one. In 1994, Val Kilmer is officially announced as the new Batman, taking the mantle from Michael Keaton. <laughs> a little boy in Lincolnshire believes he'll make a decent Bruce Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> Any, I, I, any statement for that? <laughs> I did. I did. And uh, grew up thinking that for the longest time until I rewatched it not a year ago. And thinking, wow. Was, wow. Um, film debuts in 1994. Wait, we got some big ones. Jessica Alba, Rose, Rose Byrne, Marion Cotillard, Claire Danes, Cameron Diaz, William Fincher. So that, mm. the, the bloke who's appeared in, where's he from? It's officially, he first... Start tickling your mind. 994. Scarlett Johansson, Jude Law, Ewan McGregor, Haley Joel Osmond, Michael Piana, Natalie Portman, Mark Ruffalo, Andy Serkis, Liv Schreiber, and J.K. fucking Simmons. All started in All started. Night the, the, and there's loads. The list was gigantic. This might be one of the best film years Breakout for year. debut. Breakout year for a lot of people. So, good start to the year so far. Mm. You know, first for like what we would call legendary directors. A terrible film everywhere. But how does it start? Well, we'll start like all years do. We'll start in January. Good place. Yeah. So obviously this is being talked about as one of the best years in film. So January, famous for Car 54, Where Are You? A universally panned film seen as one of the worst of all time. Not seen it. (laughs) I've not seen it. And we talked about this very briefly before we started. I probably would have tried to track it down if I knew that what I know now, which is John C. McGinley's in this film and Penn and Teller. I mean... (laughs) What a selling point you need. I mean, 0% of Rotten Tomatoes. One, yeah. of, one of the earliest films. I mean, but it's got Rose O'Donnell in it, James. <laughs> it was so, I mean, she's going to, I'm going to point out now, I reckon she's going to have a stellar year. <laughs> <laughs> she, she, if this is the start, I'd be, I, this is her year. Rosie O'Donnell is going to smash this year. <laughs> um, what else was January famous for? Uh, nothing. <laughs> it's literally the only thing that January 994 can give us was Car 54, where are you? A detested film. That, that's really weird because um, nowadays, obviously, January is a big month mm, for film. Yeah. Um, and uh, going into a, a year this strong with this much calibre, they all maybe all the competing uh, production companies were like, let's bring them all out at the same time. Yeah. It's a bit of fun. Let's let, let's, you know what? I've heard about this film's Car 54. Let's let, let's have its moment yeah. in January. <laughs> um, and just a little disclaimer, there's probably a film I'm going to, you know, it comes to the UK-US debate. The websites that I used are probably UK, uh, US-based, so I might have got some wrong. Forgiveness. I I actually don't do this professionally. Mm. <laughs> but what about February? Well, what could be a terrible film? <sighs> the peak of Steven Seagal, mate. Steven Seagal saves the environment by blowing half of it up <laughs> in a film that cannot be described on deadly ground, which is a tour de force of bollocks. People went to the cinema to see this film. Steven Seagal at his utmost. Yeah. It is... Michael Caine, though. That's what hurts. <laughs> That's what no, hurts. No, what hurts is the tagline, his battles to save the Alaskan wilderness and protect its people. <sighs> it can only be won on deadly ground. <laughs> Moving on. No, no, let's stay there for a bit. Have you seen this film? Yeah, yeah. Are you, are you trying to say that this was the start of the downfall? <laughs> no, when does his career start? <laughs> 
then. Because, I mean, John C. McGinley's in a home run considering that his first movie in January oh. flopped and he is the villain. So I told you the story about this movie, didn't I? When, uh, this is the one that Seagal directed as well. Yep. So um, when I met uh, John, John, C. McGinley, John C. McGinley a few few months back, um, he was telling the story about this being on this movie and just how Steven Seagal was an absolute turd to yeah. work with. And was just Does that like, surprise you though? <laughs> No, no, we don't know. No, you know, apparently he was doing all these impressions of what Steven Seagal's like and he thinks he's like got this like mystical, spiritual, you know, kind of uh, presence, you know, and yeah. and Johnson McGinley's like, just fuck off. Kind of thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm not doing it. And McGinley's, you know, like you got to think, early nights for McGinley, signs up to this movie because Michael Caine's in it thinking, great. Yeah. But then also signs up to things like Highlander 2, you know, and uh, thinking Sean, well, Sean Connery's in this it. film. <laughs> you know, but this, this had... Uh, this this had Billy Bob Thornton in it. Everyone's got a death note. Apparently a lot of people have got a lot of death notes. There's no Penn and Teller in this, and that's why I feel it didn't reach its maximum oh, come potential. On. Come on, it's right. So coming out of the block, 994, not strong. But what could save it? Could it be the most unnecessary sequel in the history of unnecessary sequels? My Girl 2. Is this the one Macaulay Culkin dies? No, he dies in the first one, hence why there's no point for this second film. <laughs> yeah, I can't really remember the second one. It's, it's very forgettable. It brings back the original cast, except for Macaulay Culkin, who died in the first one. But that's literally the point. It's how she deals with his death. You know, in the first one, there's that heartbreaking scene where she's trying to put his glasses on and he's dead. You know, he needs his glasses to see because he's died of all his bee stings. In the second one, there's a boy that likes her. Hey, I tell you what, though, the informative. Mm. I was like, I remember watching that film as a kid going, can, can bees actually kill? Oh, did it? Yeah, and I was like that, that, that you know, because I'd been stung by B. James, so I, I had an invested did you interest. Did you automatically think you were hard? I was like, <laughs> harder than Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, yeah, I did. You dead boy, <laughs> you little bitch. Aren't <laughs> right, I don't think you've seen this. But blank check. So I have seen this film. A kid finds one million dollars. Laughter does not. You, it's it's a terrible film. But do you know what? There's some. There's a reason I brought this up, and it's a later films that I'm. I hope you haven't seen, mate. There. They're not good films. He gets it from the mob, basically. And no one thinks it's weird that this kid's just got a million pounds and he, he moves out, he buys a house. Mm. Obviously, because what what sane real estate agent would go, yes, kid, with a million dollars, you can have this house. <laughs> Absolute horseshit. But come on, February, he's coming. It's going to be his year's breakout year. Ace Ventura, about Detective. Jim Carrey's on the big screen and he's going nowhere until, you know, in a few years' time when he's, when he's left. Yeah, this is an odd one, isn't it? Because um, Ace Ventura is, the critics hated it. Uh, studios didn't want to make it. You know, Jim Carrey was not the person they wanted, you know, to front a movie. you got big names, you know, Courtney Cox is big name. Mm. Dan Marino's in it. Yep. <laughs> Sean Young. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You know what I mean? So it's it's it's, it's got bits to it. Yeah, and it's got moments. It's, it's unconventional. It's, you know, it's, it's taking that Miami police vibe, but instead of him being, you know, law enforcement to, to humans, it's to animals. Because what I think works in its favour is because no one had any expectations of it, is that's why they were allowed to have so much fun with it. And, are, yeah. And I just think they're, the storyline's ridiculous. And wow, talk about transphobic. But yeah, well, that's the thing, isn't it? The, the transphobic and also the depictions of mental health in it are, yeah. don't work, you know, in, in, in nowadays. And I watched it last year, rewatched it, and it doesn't, doesn't age well. And that, that's not... That's not me trying to be woke or cancel or anything like that. But we have thankfully moved on a lot. Adam Sandler hasn't, by the way. <laughs> Still does this shit. But they, they don't, But there are some moments of pure comedy. There, there's a moment where um, 
the, the opening sequence where he's kind of kicking this uh, delivery That's package. That's yeah. It's really funny. Like, it, it, I like how it builds up. You're like, why is this dude doing it? And then he fucking drops it to that dude's door. <laughs> um, there are also some bits where you're like, as a kid, you know, like where he, he, he doesn't always, let's just say James, doesn't always get paid for the work that he does mm. in cash tender. Mm. So there are some adult themes in it that, you know, but ultimately is, I much prefer the sequel. I thought the sequel was better. We have to wait for another episode to talk about that. Mm. But no, it is a film that doesn't age particularly well. I, I think that's what you're going to get a lot of in this year. Some things that you loved as a kid that were funny as hell. You, you, times have changed. Now, March, starting to kick up here now, The Chase, which is a film where Charlie Sheen plays a bank robber who kidnaps a, a girl in a car. Yeah, and the whole film set in the car. Yeah, mm. and do you know what? I have fond memories of this film. I thought it was quite good fun. I, I actually quite liked it. Charlie Sheen wasn't the Charlie Sheen that you know now. This was, you know, go back in the years when he was... When he was the, the like trying to beat Emilio Westerves as Martin Sheen's favourite son, <laughs> and by the nights he was winning. <laughs> the eighties belonged to Emilio, but the nights that's where Charlie really started to shine. Um, a good little film is fine. Now, Guarding Tess is one of my favourite underrated films I, of all time. I'm good to go though. Though I I do think my nerdy trivia. I think two members of the Red Hot Chili Peppers are in this movie. What? I think Flea and Anthony are in the chase. Really? I think they are. I think it's one of them useless bits of movie trivia that I remember. Oh. Because I think they, I they're being oh. interviewed by a local... I could get my films wrong. This The Chase was a movie to me. Like, growing up, I had uh, access to a couple of, like, channels on NTL when you used to get 50 channels. And Bravo mm. and Sci-Fi Channel and TCM. And there's a few that would play movies, you know. And I used to love, growing up, one of my fondest memories was, like, two in the morning watching all sorts of shit. And the chase. This was one of the movies that quite that, that came on quite a lot, actually. Yeah. No. I've, I, for me, it's like a BBC One film, like like nearly at one in the morning. Mm. Um, Christ knows how much. Right. Moving on to Guarding Test, which Nicholas Cage plays a uh, secret service agent who has to look after former first lady uh, Shirley MacLaine, and uh, she gets <clears throat> well. They don't get on with each other. He wants to get into assignment with a bit more action, and she's an arsehole. <laughs> but he's a great dynamic with. With great cage, underrated cage. You know, he doesn't go over the top completely. Underrated cage. Underrated cage. But there's the opportunity where he gets to lash out and be an absolute dickhead. It's actually a really good film. If you get the chance, I bought it on um, DV, uh, video, VHS, you know, mm. uh, X Rental from Blockbusters. Mate, fucking time capsule this episode. Four weddings and a funeral. Hugh Grant being his charming self. There's spoilers. There's a four weddings and there might be a funeral. Did, did did you like this movie? I did when you like first watched film. it. I did, I did. I still do. I, I don't. I know it's probably uncool to say that you like Four Winds and a Funeral, but I I think it's quite fun. I think their their relationship might be the most toxic relationship of them all. Mm. But I really like you know everyone else about it. I like I like the secondary characters. They're really cool. Like the quirky. You know, I love the beginning when uh, they're late for the wedding and he's forgotten the rings and they were the really audacity uh, like these outrageous rings that like they the groom's like oh my god it's brilliant Curtis. He's writing. Yeah, he's, he's got that um, that opening sequence here where he's laying in. He's like, fuck, fuck. And yeah. he just keeps swearing uh, all the time. And he's like the uh, reversing down the motorway, mm. which we've all wanted to do. And if you if you haven't wanted to do it, you're a liar. <laughs> You've always wanted to commit sheer terror. A good little film. And by a little, I mean huge juggernaut that wouldn't leave. One downside, wet, wet, wet can go fuck itself because it's 1994 then, it's 2022 and I've still had my fill of that song. Yeah. <laughs> so still... I, I like the, the chemistry Hugh Grant and Anna McDowell have within the movie. I prefer Julia Roberts, though, in oh, Notting um, Hill. Notting Hill. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, do you know what? I, I'll give you that. Mm. 
I'd really like the see the gay couple, Daryl Hannah, not Daryl Hannah. John Hannah. John Hannah and I can't remember the older gentleman. Simon Callow. They, from, they, you mean from Street Fighter? From, <laughs> so, he's gonna have a good year. <laughs> um I forgot about that legendary actor. Yeah. <laughs> legendary British actor. British actor. In, no, I, I, in Street Fighter. Yeah, no, genuinely, every film we should do after that. Should be like it, it, on the back cover of it. It's like Sour Couch Street Fire. Street Fire. <laughs> <laughs> Who did he? What? <laughs> did he play Bull Rock? Like, <laughs> would have made more sense. <laughs> right. I'm just pointing this out there that one of my favourite trilogies of all time is the Mighty Ducks trilogy. And the reason I bring it up is Mighty Ducks Two, the Mighty Ducks <laughs> D Two D Two. Right. So this one. So the sequel. Everybody knows this. Your first one sets off your premise. Your second one gets bigger. Your third one's giant. So you know. Let's look at the Batman franchise. We did the Nolan ones, you know, it's a fight for, is cleaning up the streets. It's a fight for the soul of Gotham. There's a nuclear weapon. You know, Marvel starts off, they're trying to save a city, then they're trying to save the world, then they're trying to save existence. So everything gets up. The Mighty Ducks, mate, they don't play by rules. In the first one, in the first one, mate, they're just, you know, they're, they're just trying to be alive. You know, they're, they're trying to exist. They want to beat the local champions. So they do. Mm. In the second one, they go to the Olympics and take on the Icelandic team. In the third one, they go back to school and play the bullies. <laughs> it's like you you did not get the escalation process. But that's it. It's always that, isn't it? It's either you go you go big or go home, yeah. or you you they, go they, so small. They it's, went home. Yeah, it's like Rocky Five, isn't it? Like when you, when, yeah. you, when you've took on Russia, where do you go? Outside a bar, <laughs> get down the streets. Uh, I really like. Uh, I really like the Mighty Ducks. There's no harm in anyone those type of films. Mm. They're just fun. They're great films for kids. And I do think, if you look at the quality of kids' films now, there's nothing on the night. So there's going to be a load that come up here, especially sports films. I imagine at the Estevez Christmas party that year, you know, Charlie and uh, Emilio had a good conversation about their early films. Mm. It's like, it's like you won the A's. I'm coming. <laughs> I'm coming. Uh, Naked Gun, 33 and one third, The Final Insult. They're great films. Yeah. Um, I, they're all interchangeable for me. So I don't genuinely remember this one compared the, the to the third one. I thought was the big, the big, big one, wasn't it? I thought the third one was the. I remember 33 and one third because it was different. Yeah. It the one third I remember. So I remember this was a big one. What's his name from Tremors, uh, the villain? Fred West. Yeah. With the I always get, I, is it Fred West? Because one of them's an actor, the other one's a serial killer. <laughs> so, so I am always a bit wary about well, when I get Yeah, that I, I thought the third one was the, again, following that theme of bigger, you know, the third one wasn't 33 and a third had all the, um, all the nods to other films like The Untouchables with the amount of babies that were coming down the yes, stairs. Yes, I think that's the one. I like as well because OJ gets shot at the beginning of the movie, doesn't he? And he falls in the water and then when they go to the crime scene, they just put the white tape <laughs> on the water floating. It's really, really good. It's one of my favourite spoof kind um, comedies. Well, that's, that's him, isn't it? That's the, the main actor. That's, we miss him. There's an Nielsen. Yeah, and Liam Neeson is yeah. taking it on in a remake. Fuck off. I don't know whether that was like a... There's something that I read and a quote from him saying that he's nervous because it's a different type of... Liam Neeson, apparently, uh, he's nervous about his comedy. Now, I would I would be nervous, but have we seen it? <laughs> I don't know. We'd be worried about just like everything else that you do. Mm. <laughs> like, you know that just because you're not being filmed doesn't mean that people aren't listening to you, you <laughs> fucking weirdo. Another sequel, Major League. Now, the reason I've added this is because you don't get these random baseball films now. Major League 2, sorry, Charlie Sheen, Tom Berenger, and Dennis Haber. And I swear to God, is the exact same... So the first one, um, the owner dies. This is going to happen. That's going to come up again later. And the wife inherits too much. She wants to sell it and she'll get a better price for it if they're losing. So that doesn't make any sense. So she gets rid of all the good players and they're left with all these crap players. And then they start winning. And this is how he inspires them. And this is why they won't make it. Somehow 
the manager of the team's got a naked picture of the owner, and every time they win a game, he removes a post-it note. And there you go. What a terrible film. Wow. And the second one, mate, exactly the same film. Like, I swear <laughs> to God, exactly the same film. So let's get rid of March. Let's go to April. Now, this is going to sound a bit weird. The film three, Sim. The only reason I brought it up here is because it might be one of the worst films I've ever seen. And there's a lot that comes up in this year for bad films. This one still is one of the weak Baldwins. No, not, not the Queen. <laughs> not the Queen. <laughs> Sounds one of the soldiers. And it's basically, got Stephen Baldwin. It's got Stephen, he's, 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 he's overly the, religious one. Yeah, but who, now. Was it, not the, now <laughs> did, he is, but not at the did time. Did he have another big hit this year? No. Was it in the Flintstones as well? Oh, fucking yes, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, mate, the Lord giveth, but he definitely took away. Yeah, he took away his career by the end of it. Um, this is a terrible film where basically, due to an error, two guys and one girl end up in the same college room. You're joking. And one of them's gay and he fancies the man, but he fancies the woman, but the woman fancies the gay one. So wow. there you go, threes him. Oh, you know that development I've just given you? That's, mm. that's the most you're going to get. Leprechaun 2, the sequel we demanded, but no one wanted. This is the, this is the one I can't remember. I remember- This I, isn't the one that's in space. And no. this isn't the one with Jennifer Aniston. Jennifer Aniston this is, is the, the first one. one. The third one goes to Las Vegas. I remember that. But I cannot remember Leprechaun 2, I'll be honest. No, it's not It's not great. Now, Cops and Robinsons also came out. That's Chevy Chase and Jack Palance. Uh, Chevy Chase is one of these weird people that I find him very, very funny when he's on screen, but apparently he's one of the biggest assholes in Hollywood. I can't. Yeah. I can't really see you getting. I imagine Jack Plaz would beat the piss out of you, though. So. Yeah, Jack. Jack. Uh, Jeremy Chase. Sorry, is, is that uh, every year when I watch like National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, which is a truly great Christmas movie. Mm. Um, there is a part of me that that cringes a little bit when it's Cherry Chase because of the the he's just an arsehole. Yeah, yeah. There's the infamous about how much of an arsehole he is. I imagine the movie called Cops and Robbers. Jack Plaz is the robber. Oh, just. Cops and Robinson. Yeah, so basically what happens is he witnesses a crime. And the, so he's just a normal family guy, you know, <clears throat> bit, bit quirky. Jack Plants is the grizzled detective that has to move in with him. Right. To protect him from the crime because the, the heaven forbid they move. <laughs> he's put them in witness protection or or the, he, you know, solves the crime. <laughs> no, no, that can't happen. Got to save the witness. Jack Plants as well is one of the people who's been old in everything. He has, yeah. Yeah. He comes off again later as well. Yeah. You Not know, in the Flintstones. You'll be offered to know. <laughs> Yeah, not great. Not great. I'll be honest, 994, not that great as I was led to believe. However, don't worry, there's some good films it's coming coming. up. It's coming, it's coming. And he started with No Escape in the same year, which is a film that you and I both love. Mm. Ray Liotta and uh, Lance Henriksen in a, in a futuristic... This one I don't understand is there's quite clearly had a budget for half this film <laughs> because it's set in this futuristic space station. It's a prison. Oh no, is it? it's not in space, is it? Uh, and then basically, once you're too bad, they throw you in the wilderness and that's where you are. I love that because that's what they do. So you see high tech, you see a high tech fortress, and then basically like, right, we've run out of budget. Now the prison is the jungle. <laughs> <laughs> see you later, Ray Liotta. And um, I'll be honest, I think Ray Liotta is my. I know he's not good, but he's one of my favourites. I do like Ray Liotta. Is he? I do. I know I do like him. He, he, he appears in crap, but you know, like cop. I like Heartbreakers, man. I think he's really good in Heartbreakers. Mm. He's good in Fortress. There's an episode of ER where he wins an Emmy for Outstanding Performance. He's some of the best acting I've ever seen. He plays an alcoholic that's dying and because he's an alcoholic, none of the doctors want to spend any, you know, it's waste. And it's just a really good episode and it really shows what he could do if he, if someone gave him the opportunity and films like Copland. So I don't mind the old Ray Liotta. Oh, May. Now this is a month. I've put in a TV movie here because I've actually seen this. Stephen King's The Stand with Gary Sinise, Molly Ringwald and Rob Lowe yeah. for the scene where Rob Lowe comes back from the dead. It's just like, yeah, I'm dead. Follow me. It's fucking weird because he's blind, isn't he? But he sees visions of where they're supposed to go. 
and the stand to me, which they remade. Like, what's it last year? Yeah, and and I imagine it it came out on HBO Max or something in America because yeah, we haven't got it over it. And yeah. the stand is an amazing book. Oh, this is the one that you've wanted to see for a while. Yeah, it? and you the, said they should make it into a TV series, which is what they've done, right? Yeah, I, I think they, you know, like a four or five parter, which I think they've done. Whoop, Whoopi Goldberg was in it, and um, and I think it threaded into that um, TV series that they did around Stephen King's world which had Shawshank in it and yeah. all the other stuff. Um, I can't remember. It was something rock, Castle Rock or something. Castle Rock. Um, but yeah, the stand, I'm amazed we didn't get it over here in the UK and I still want to see it because the book is is absolutely awesome. It's one of the books I've always wanted to read. It's so big, that story. And post-apocalyptic, it starts just straight in there. You know, with, no pissing about. No, no pissing about. You know, like this virus escapes from the, you know, from a lab and, and it all starts going tits up. Oh. It's got all these different characters in it as well that begin unconnected, but by the end, you know, they're all going to, you know, form a fellowship. I, I loved it. I, and it has Stephen King's number one villain throughout the, you know, in a lot of the books, there's always reference to a the man in black. Mm. Um, you know, with, and exactly, Randall yeah. Flagg is, yeah, it, he has the, maybe the most significant role in this one. So you, um, did you see this one though with Gaston and Molly Ringwald? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember it? Like, was it worth it? I thought it was all right. Yeah, it was two. It was two part, wasn't it? The, yeah, this one. Yeah. So, yeah. I just, I just remember Rob Lowe dies and he comes back in the horns in a scene where not the best acting. Um, the Crow with Brandon Lee, mate. We what? need to do a special on this at some point. We should. It was so different. It was so unique. It was like it was goth being cool, which I don't think I'd ever seen before. It was an amazing. It was different. It was like the spirit of vengeance. Obviously, famous now for the horrible passing of Brandon Lee, but. You know, what a different story, unique, but kind of kind of what we get now. If you think about it, it's like a forefather of like the dark, you know, outsider, the the superhero, the 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 justice, the villain doing something for themselves, maybe not necessarily. You know, it, it resonates with a lot of actors now. The only problem is that it did sequels. There's some of the shitty sequels of all time. I'll never forgive The Crow 4 with, oh my God, we need to do that. See, episode. I always forget this one. Which one had uh, David Furlong in it? And Edward Furlong, that's four. Is that four? Yeah, it's four. Kirsten Dunst was in the second one, wasn't she? Yes. And then in the, th the second, no, was that the third one? I think that might be the third one. I like the third. One of them is actually pretty good. The third one. So you got the Crow City of Angels. No, I don't like that one. That's, that's the, the one, one I can't remember. That's the second one, isn't it? Yeah, second one's The third one, I believe, is, is the guy who's in Resident Evil. <laughs> he's He's the Crow. And he gets... He gets, yeah, he, they, some corrupt cops, Fred West, Fred West is a corrupt cop, um, they have basically framed him for murder and he gets the electric chair and he comes back as the crow and saves Kirsten Dunst, who was the sister of the woman that he was accused of murdering. Do you remember that old 80s or 90s horror, I think it was called like Shocker or whatever, about the guy who got the electric chair and then he was killing, he basically became electricity and it was, no, it was but, Gary Busey's son. Oh my God, that sounds amazing. Yeah, I do. <laughs> it's one of the, I, strangely, I, it's one of them films I always remember. <laughs> I'm really devastated that and I'm not speaking about it. Right. Michael Wincott, though, is uh, top dollar in The Crow. You know, that voice, that... that that. He's such a villain, though. I know. <laughs> it's just like, I've, have you ever seen a film where he plays the love interest? No, no he played Gary Sonongi in the... Uh, Along Came No, I was getting... No, Along Came Spider. Along Came Spider, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, because he almost kissed the girls. I always get them confused, yeah. Yes. 
and he also in Alien the only film I've never ever seen him play a villain is Alien Resurrection, but that's because he dies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, oh, and he is a thief. <laughs> he steals people. So yeah, he's yeah, pretty, he's a human trafficker. <laughs> yeah, so he's, he's pretty pretty evil. Um, the Crow is awesome though. What a gothic. Uh, you know, imagination in that film. And it is, it's basically like Gotham, isn't it? It's that you would not want to live in that place. It dealt with things like, I'm sure there's heroin and stuff like that in it as well. Oh, it's, yeah. And, you know, it's cool. he looked cool. He looked awesome. You know, the, even the even the absolute nonsense, like playing guitar on the roof, you know, as mm. a as a way to show his, showcase his emotion and his strain, you know, in the rain and all that kind of stuff. It's, I love The Crow. I thought it was a wicked film. Well, you could say the best thing about The Crow was he was kind of a maverick. <gasps> like nice. the film The Maverick Segway I tell you what what I was a big Mel Gibson fan growing up yeah you were until certain events obviously obviously um, but you right you can't be blamed for that I really liked Redacted listen to celebrate the art mm. don't celebrate the artist the artist was yeah. a prick but their art is different yeah so Mel Gibson a Maverick starts with Mel Gibson on a horse with a noose around his neck <gasps> his arms tied behind his back and the horse is slowly edging away mm. And, it just, and a Mel Gibson voiceover comes on and it goes, it'd just been a shitty week. And it's like the best <laughs> way into a movie where you're like, it does look pretty bad. Yeah. Alfred Molina in that movie is the villain. It is great. It is, um, and I know it's the remake of the TV series that... James Garner's in. James Garner, yeah, yeah, as the dad figure in it. And uh, Jodie Foster, she Jodie came Foster. off like self-exposed, uh, self, she came out of exile because obviously she had that stuff with the stalker that really creeped mm. her out and stuff like that but she came back and did this and I liked it I like this game about it's poker it's a western it's got riverboats it's you know I, I liked that's it that's generally the only thing I remember about this riverboat I, I think I've seen it once when I was mm. a kid but hey, he, and, and, and he's, he's, a, he's a hustler he is awesome which is the other thing he's not he's not Clint Eastwood he's a, he's a hustler Maverick, I, do you know what I might rewatch that that's a Saturday afternoon film that's always on ITV at some mm. point but it used to be getting old now now this film I wish you would get rid of Beverly Hills Cop for the third one. Yeah, it's not a good movie, it's is it? It's not good. We did an episode on it, and I, I believe in that episode I was trying to convince myself that it was all right, but in, in hindsight, now it's just... You want to you wanna like it because it's in a theme park. Yeah, it's and, different. Yeah, but it's not good, is it? So PG as well. They PG'd it to hell. George Lucas cameo. That's about it. Yeah, that's the most memorable thing about it. Oh, my God. Right. Whoever thought it would be great to do a live action. Right, so so I'm coming out with it now. Never liked the Flintstones as a kid. I don't like the cartoon. I don't get it. I, I also don't like Scooby-Doo. I don't like, is it the Halle series of things? I don't like them. So whoever thought it would be a great idea. And do you know what? Apparently this was a vehicle for a live action remake where they would take the cast and do the fucking Simpsons next. Wow. Exactly. Uh, we're talking about the Flintstones with John Goodman, Rick Morales. Oh. And the fact that you've just had Mario so close, like the year before, <laughs> like, which didn't work. Now all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, let's do Flintstones. John Goodman is born to play Fred Flintstone in the 90s. Like, yeah. great casting. But my God, it's what just a... Crap. Halle Berry. I remember going to the cinema seeing this. I think it was on my birthday. I was so excited to see this film as well. I was like, what was wrong with me? <laughs> Just, I know, and all you wanted was like a good shot of Dino. The yeah, dog, exactly. The, uh, the, the pet dinosaur. But it's it's this heartbreaking film. It's like, but what's really weird is, re not re-watching it, because Christ, no, but rethinking about it. They are actually quite loyal to the comic book. So I remember there's the scene where John Goodman's trying to help, but instead of trying to think of a situation where he can help, he's thinking about killing his mother-in-law. Yeah. <laughs> so do you know what? I, might, I think there might be some redeemable qualities there. I'm lying. It's bollocks. It is bad. It's, it, they did the whole opening sequence, didn't they, to try and make it. Yeah. Um, Again, do you think that's what hurt it? Was he was trying to be faithful to a that I frankly thought was bollocks. 
I didn't mind the cotton growing up, but this this is bad. And the problem is, it's it's, it's particularly bad from because of people like um, Barney Rubble. You know, in, in one of the ball wins in this, like that. No, it, this was Rick Moran. So he's he's. Oh, he's Barney. So, all right. So, yeah. so Stephen Baldwin didn't come he, until the next no, one. he's in the next one, which is somehow worse, which is actually quite impressive. Yeah. But Rosie O'Donnell, I mean, yeah. surely her, her career's about to pick up after this. Uh, <laughs> who's the villain in this? Isn't that the... Kyle McLaughlin, oh, he, he whatever made, his name is. Do you know what? If, it, if the senior wasn't made of rocks, he'd have fucking June. Yeah. <laughs> Broke his teeth out. It's, there's, there is one redeemable quality about this, is that they didn't make a sequel. <laughs> oh, no, wait a minute. They did make a sequel because apparently you can't learn your lesson several years later and you've, you've changed Rick Morales with the Baldwin, the weakest one. <laughs> <laughs> not even the Queen. <laughs> so how is June going to kick up? Well, we're going to have another... Really not selling me at the moment this, no, this year. but don't worry, it's coming. June starts off with City Slickers 2, The Legend of Curly's Gold, Billy Crystal, Jack Plants. I'm going to put this out there. I've never seen the original. I've only ever seen the sequel. It's, this, it's a similar storyline. He's down as long so he tries to find gold. Can you think of any other movies where you've only seen the sequel and not seen the original? There is a few, but I can't remember. One for me is FX2, The Deadly Art of Illusion. <laughs> and I've never seen the first one. Uh, the other day I put on, this is a true story, because it was on Sky, Triple X2. And I was like, well, I won't understand the storyline. I know, you, I feel like you really need to know. <laughs> you need to know about Xander Cage. And the only reason I know that is because I know that the third one's called The Return of Xander Cage. <laughs> how, f- how bad must the film be that you can't get Ice Cube to come back, but you can get Vin Diesel to come back? <laughs> um, yeah, it was an all right film. Now this is a big one, mate. Keanu Reeves, Sandra Bullock, Dennis Hopper. Speed. I feel like we're picking up now. Here we go, Speed. Now, if we were to redo the list through action film, I know you're dead set on Die Hard, that's fine. But I think, and I'm not, not let's move to Hard, I think Speed could be in with a shout with one of the best action films of all time. It's consistent. You're constantly on the edge. But it does a really good job of separating you from the story. Like, there's action going on over it. Jeff Daniels having his storyline. Mm. Dennis Hopper was actually, people, you know, he's a bit of a joke now, but Dennis Hopper was a fucking brilliant villain back in the day. And Sandra Bullock, you know, fresh face, Keanu Reeves, they genuinely had amazing chemistry. Everyone else on that bus, it's actually a really good story. Don't go over 50, uh, once you go over 50, don't you keep traveling. There's still a scene where I don't understand how the bus gets higher when it jumps off a lower bridge. Yeah. But that aside, you need I, the stakes at that moment. You do need that bit. You need the, you need the road to run out. That, exactly. That's the dilemma, isn't it, in that film? But um, I, I think you're right. I think Speed is a great, great movie because you, you've got, whenever I watch Speed, you've got the, before they get on the bus, the three mm. acts, you know, before getting on it and then sorting out the bad guy at the end on a train randomly. Yeah. I really, I really like Speed. What goes faster than a bus? <laughs> Train. I'll tell you what doesn't, James. What? A cruise ship. <laughs> that might be one of the worst ideas for a sequel of all time. Yeah, it's not, it's, it, I mean, Speed works as a one-off. You can't continue that theme. No. Because by the time, you know, we go in the rule of trilogies, the third one would have been on a bloody shuttle ship in space. <laughs> Gravity. It sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Speed, I genuinely think it. And then, and then how else can you top that? I would like to point out that move, removing 3D films, because I have I have a love interest with uh, Pixar and what this has done with 3D animation, is Lion King the best 2D animated film of all time? It's got to be up there. It's got to be in consideration. Mm. It's probably Disney's, probably Disney's one, if you were, their retelling of Hamlet, if you will. They would say that's their magnum opus. Obviously now things have changed, you know, the, the frankly phenomenal work they're doing at the minute, they're just knocking out of the park consistently. But at the time, the Lion King, mate. It's got to be up there with Aladdin, hasn't it? 
Oh yeah, I always forget you were in Aladdin. Aladdin, Lion King. I, I, I suppose the diehards would say, you know, some of the earlier works as well. Yeah, yeah Snow White and stuff. But it, oh, I'm of an age and I see the Lion King. You know, I'm not going back to the earlier stuff at the time. But Lion King catches me at the right time. It's a, it's a story about betrayal, love. It's got great songs in it. Mm. Jeremy Irons, is, he does one of my most underrated songs. I think that song's phenomenal. Yeah, no kid, one ever talks about it. As a kid, you don't really like that song. As yeah. an adult, like the be prepared. <laughs> it's like, it's really good. It's like, I, I like as well. I'm saying it's uniting them as well. It's like, not like Mufasa, it's like, get to fuck. Mm. Like, Lacey's like, no, come join us at the Pride. You know, I like that. And I like the tonal shift as well after the heartbreak of Mufasa's death. Spoiler. Um, the, the the shift when Timon and Puma come in because and that is brilliant Ryan is that you know at that point um, Disney do it all the time when Bambi's mum gets killed introduce the side characters now that are going to cheer the kids up yeah I remember going to watch Lion King for one of its anniversaries with a a, a friend's kid that we used to babysit for and she hadn't seen Lion King and I remember her weeping and that's it and I thought it was it's years later it still had all that you know that, that power. Uh, power yeah well, Lion King is arguably one of the greatest animated films of all time. A film that barely anyone's heard about is Getting Even With Dad, which I'd like to point out is a fucking great film. When I when I was researching and this film came up, I want to go watch it. Macaulay Culkin um, lives with his mum and he has to get, he gets sent for someone to go live with his dad. Terrible father, Ted Danson, who's a robber as well. He's just robbed, he's just robbed somewhere. I can't remember, like a bank or something. And Macaulay Culkin finds it and he hides it and he basically blackmails his dad into spending time with him and his uh, criminal his criminal element. So it was Macaulay Culkin blackmailing Ted Danson into spending time with him. In a film that I like to find out, I loved as a kid, I imagine it ages terribly because, you know, he's got Ted Danson. I, I remember this film. Yeah, I, I didn't mind it, actually. No, I loved it. Was, it was, I mean, you know, Macaulay, Macaulay Culkin, Culkin had long was up, hair. Yeah, he was yeah. on a high at this point, wasn't he? Um, I Love Trouble. Uh, a film with Julia Roberts and Nick Naughty. This is the film that they famously just slag each other off in. They they absolutely detested working with each other. It's all right. It's fine. I don't think I've ever seen it. Nah, it's not that great. <laughs> Little Big League, going back to this. There was a time, mate, if you were a kid, there was a high probability in a film, you were going to own a sports franchise. <laughs> Little Big League, 12-year-old inherits a baseball team. And I'll never forget this because he's in a championship game and he tells his pitcher, the pitcher's dating his mum. He's like, if you if you get a strike and we win the game, you can marry my mom. And he doesn't get a strike. And he still lets them marry. No. Oh, it is really nice scene. It's like absolute bullshit. <laughs> Those as, as someone who grew up obviously in the UK where baseball is not a sport that we play, watch, or root for. Well, we call it rounders and we play it in school. That's how little we think of that sport. <laughs> yeah. But it is it, it does translate to kids from Sandlot Kids, mate. Brilliant movie. Can you remember that? Vaguely. With a Babe Ruth ball that goes over the next door's garden with a terrible dog and they have to go get it back. And Vaguely. they sound like kids, they're the losers, they're the underdogs, they're, you know, and baseball themed, you know, it's, because it's swinging for the fences, isn't it? Mm. It's that story, like hitting the home run. It's the biggest metaphor for a yeah, kid. It's literally just doing one thing right and celebrating. Yeah. No, not, not the other times you failed. <laughs> but I do like, I do like baseball films. I yeah. like baseball films. I think the, I think baseball films are part of the, the best way to grow up. Now into July, starting off with a film that I, I, mate, I loved this film as a kid. I must have been a brain dead. I think I've seen this film more than most films <laughs> because my sisters were addicted to it. <laughs> Baby's Day Out. Yeah. Whereas, whereas three of the worst criminals <laughs> cannot, cannot contain a baby. <laughs> and what I love yep. about this, what I love about this, this, this film boils down to the baby's gone missing. Criminals are trying to find it, but so are the police. 
and the parents are so shit they have to go get their nanny who has to explain to them that the baby's reliving her f- uh, their favourite fucking story book. I remember that stuck with me as a kid going Cynthia Nixon mate fucking Cynthia what? Nixon she's better in this than the whole of Sex and the City <laughs> <laughs> alright this film is bad yeah do you know what, do you know what? I think this was the first, I watched this film so as a kid I loved it but I, the, the older I got like, and I'm not joking I'm not talking like I was 15 when I was like 11 I realised how shit it was it's, it's not a film that ages at all mate it's got Fred Thompson in it yeah. fresh off Die Hard 2 <sighs> it's a great film Joe uh, Panatolina I can never no, say his name the, like, the, 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 the one the one that you still don't know how he dialed into the Matrix to betray everyone because yeah. surely someone must have plugged him in yeah, him is like the sidekick to Joe Mantin. Man, yeah, the the villain, fr- the villain from Godfather Part Three, <laughs> and most of the uh, mafia speaking in The Simpsons. Oh, is it? Oh, that's cool. I yeah, didn't know that. Yeah, did he do Tony or whatever? Is the oh, main? I just want to know who is the Johnny Tartlips. Johnny Tartlips. That's him knowing. We tell the doctor, tell him to suck a lemon. <laughs> I love Baby's Day Out, mate. Was in our, on our on in our house all the time, and it's like the you know the 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 journey that baby goes through, mate. Fucking journey now. No one sees. Do you know what I mean? Like, no one sees it go into a zoo and befriend a gorilla. No one sees it crawl into a uh, construction yard and swing on a wrecking ball. What? Just I just think best parents. Oh, they're with Home Alone. You see, we we give the Home Alone mum some stick, but the parents in this. <laughs> Imagine reading the script and getting to that final page where you're Symphony Nixon. It's full. The baby's following the pages of the storybook that the parents don't read to him, so they haven't realised. Yeah. Like, what? what? <laughs> it's fucking Shakespeare, this. <laughs> Sign me up. Also, I want, to know, I want a sequel now. What happened to that kid? Years later. That kid turned into Jigsaw. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, oh, for God's sake. July, famous for bringing one of the most overrated films of all time, Forrest Gump. I've got nothing positive to say. I don't like it. Well, you're wrong. Forrest Gump's a good movie. And that's fine. We, we've gone around the houses on We've this done this one. two or three times now, yeah. So, I like Forrest Gump, you don't. Now, let's get onto a film that we can both agree is fucking next level amazing. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mate, I don't know about you, but when I need an IT problem, I find the most jacked fucker in the place. <laughs> and I go, you definitely work in IT. Tonally, this film is all <laughs> over the place. I feel like this film deserves its own flavour, because it's just, everything's happening so quickly. I mean... Everything, yeah, it's like 24, but on fucking Ritalin, there's more. There's Arnold Schwarzenegger, so- Jamie Lee Curtis, and Tom Arnold is I, a concoction on its own. I always forget there's even a scene where Arnold Schwarzenegger rides a horse across Central Park or yep. something. Fucking hell, oh, yeah, there's so much. Oh, he finds a terrorist <laughs> attached to a missile to another, terrorist. yeah, and he, he always the immortal lines, You're fired as he does it because that doesn't even make any sense. Yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis's growth as a character is the nerdy, like you know, stay-at-home yeah. soccer mom to super to, agent. <laughs> yeah, to uh, to all of a sudden becoming a super agent like a Jack's husband Harry, who who's a pencil pusher <laughs> IT guy, who knows where the gym is. <laughs> like, true lies, mate. Yeah, oh, it might be. I do you want? I do you want? I fucking love true lies. It's brilliant. Oh, nothing we talk about now will beat True Lies. Um, Fear that you're right, yeah. Finishing off the month. And The Client, Tommy Lee Jones and Susan Sarandon. That's a good film. Is A kid witnesses a murder and Tommy Lee Jones is the prosecutor trying to do it. And Susan Sarandon is the defence who's trying to get, basically, this kid saves this gangster's life, trying to kill himself. And they're trying to find out what he said to the kid. It's a really good good film. Even I recognised it as brilliant. One of the worst films ever made came next, North, with Elijah Wood and Bruce Willis. Um... 
Elijah Wood divorces his parents and then spends the film kind of going around this country and interviewing new parents. And Bruce Willis, I swear to God, plays a figment of his imagination and at one point is dressed as a bunny for no reason in a carrot. I still don't believe this film exists. It does. I'm not going out of my way to try and find it. You, it's a terrible film. It, it, like Dan Aykroyd is in it and makes one of the poor, one of the poorest jokes ever. It's about like child death, I think. It's really, it's a terrible mm. film. Poorly written. It's bollocks. Maybe the worst film of all time. I would pit it. Uh, and then Jim Carrey's back with the mask. Cameron Diaz's, Cameron Diaz's uh, big launch party and probably the film that launched CGI on a wide different scale. The cartoonish antics of the mask brought to life on the big screen. That was magical. Yeah, I really liked the mask. I thought it was really good. I watched the cartoon, I think, growing up as well. The um Stanley Ipkiss character mm. in that. And um seeing it translate onto the big screen, I thought it was really good. As a kid, you are just dying for for Jim Carrey to put that mask on. Yeah. You know, you just and, don't care about Jim Carrey. You no. like, I want the green, I want the heart being that just turns into a wolf. Tommy Gunn at one point, the comic is based on those fucking hells, the hell of dark. It's like murders yeah. and everything. Yeah, because that's the thing, isn't it? The, the, the mask, the character, the green face, yellow suit character, he's not a hero. You know, he's a, he, he's a loose cannon anti-hero, I suppose. But um, some of the scenes in it are just absolutely brilliant. When he goes to see the mob and they shoot him and he takes the Oscar for dying. <laughs> like, it's just also like that. Yeah, I loved it. Do you want the film that needed? That needed. That's the sort of film that needed a sequel to come out 25 years later and replace Jim Carrey with like Jamie Kennedy, famous for being in the screen film, so maybe play Bob Hoskins as Odin. That'd be a good film. I'm certain everyone will go see that, James. August. I don't know about you, but there is a clear and present danger. Just going to leave that out there. Not mentioning as well that, that you forgot about the uh, Son of the Mask. You're just going to brush over that sequel as well, are you? No, that's the one I was talking about. Oh, dear. No, Son of the Mask is, is the sequel. Oh, it is the sequel. Yeah. I thought there was a sequel and Son of the Mask. No, the fucking Son of the Mask is the sequel. It's the same movie, isn't it? Yeah. It's the one with uh, Cummings in it. Cummings, yeah. yeah. Playing Loki. And a few years later, you've got Hiddleston. I'm just saying, they missed out. <laughs> they could have had Cummings as Loki. There's layers to that film, isn't there? <laughs> it takes the mythos to a completely new level. Oh, fucking, I'm just saying. Right. Clear present danger. It's, a, it's, it's I prefer those films. I think I think those were actually no. Hunt for Red October was the best one, and I think John John Klinsky makes a better Jack Ryan in the TV series on Amazon. Yeah, Clear and Present Danger. It, it's a slow burner. It's it's I prefer Patriot Games as well. Like yeah, that, Sean that, Bean. Yeah, that yeah. that Harrison Ford kind of yeah. time. Clear Samuel L. Jackson Day. randomly at the end of that film, which was like, oh, here's Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, it was good. Uh, Andre, I don't know if you remember this, uh, Girl Befriends a Seal, because that's films, you don't see films now where we just randomly befriend seals and, you know, instead of keeping them in a pool and everything, you dress them up and make them walk across hot gravel. Different time. Natural Born Killers, mate. That was a good film, Natural Born Killers. That was a great film. I think it's more relevant now, you know, with the media obsession about that sort of thing. I think Natural Born Killers is a, uh, it's actually a really good film. Yeah, yeah, Woody Harrison, maybe it's peak. Yes, good. Show. I've always liked uh, Juliette Lewis as well. I thought she was really good. And Robert Downey Jr. Robert True. Downey Jr., who is uh, like the, the personality that's with them for the ride, who they eventually sacrifice at the end. I thought that it, that was this was in a dark time during his career, and I still think it was probably one of his best performances. Mm. Um, it's really good. Now, here's a film that I, you might have Googled Milk Money. Now, but you don't know anything about Milk Money. Well, let me explain to you. It's not the kind of thing you Google, neither. And I'm just saying that in this film, this is, swear to God, this is true. Some boys get together and buy themselves a prostitute. 
It's, right. a, it's a fucking PG. Right, Ed Harris is in it. Tell and, me he's the prostitute. No, I'm just saying that. One of the main, the main guy, his dad is alone. Ed Harris falls in love with the prostitute that these fucking teenagers have bought themselves. So they were like, look. <laughs> I've pretty seen this worked. film. Yeah, I've fucking seen this film. Jeez, what's wrong with me? Oh, September. It's time to relaunch that franchise, The Next Karate Kid. Hey, I, I like. I think the next Cry Kids all right. It's fine. It's good. Yeah, it's all right. The next. So, which one's this by now? This is when we've moved away completely. We've gone with the next Cry Kids. So it is um, Elizabeth. Nope. I've got her name. She's a million dollar baby. Hillary Swank. Isn't Hillary it? Swank. Thank you. Yeah, Hillary Swank. She's the next one because I want her to appear in Cobra Kai. Yeah. I think that'd be really cool. I think that'd be really awesome if she did. Um, Quiz show, which was up for a lot of awards. I haven't actually seen it, but a quiz show was apparently a, a big deal. It's, uh, I haven't seen it, so I don't know what to tell you. I'm sorry. It's Ray Fiennes in John Turturro movie. Oh, have you seen it? No, I've just, I've oh, just okay. had to quickly look. But apparently it's very, it was rated pretty well. Now, we've had a lot of bollocks this year. Why do you like you, John claude Van Damme? I like him. Um, I like him when he's either taking his boat up river. Yeah. Or he's going back in time. Well, luckily, he's going back in time, mate, to to, to, to kill his friends. <laughs> it's a, for a film, it's actually quite complicated. I think, isn't his, his friend, he kills his friend, but it turns out his friend went further back in time and has manipulated events so that he's rich now. Because I'm sure the final scene is Jean-Claude Van Damme hiding from Jean-Claude Van Damme on the, on the day of his wife's murder. It doesn't matter. Time cop. I get this one confused with, with the one with Dennis Rodman. <laughs> was that double take? Sorry, double team. Yes. Double, sorry. Double yeah, trouble or something. The time with landmines in the Coliseum. Yes. Yeah, because I've why, seen that why one. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> why wouldn't you? Time cop was that, that like, so obviously Universal Soldier and all those kind of movies had come out and John Cole Van Damme was a household name and... Time Cop felt like the big budget movie, the big American, mm. big budget film, taking him out of the B movies in, and into it, this. And it wasn't. No. Firmly secured him in the B movies forever. Is this the one where he punches a snake? I think so. I can't remember. Don't make me rewatch it. Um, the Shawshank Redemption. Arguably one of the, you know, it comes up on the list of all time of the greatest films ever made. You know, how do you feel about this? We've talked about Shawshank because it's obviously an IMDb. It's, I think it is still the top rated or it's joint top rated. Mm. It always appears on top of a list of greatest films of all time. You ask someone, you know, even Stephen King, it's this. Yeah. Best film of all time, it's this. I, and Mor I d- best Morgan Freeman, this. I do like it. I do like it. I, I think for me, I'm just, it, prison-based movies aren't a go-to, mm. you know. So I, I appreciate it. it's a good movie. Tim Robbins, I think, is great in it. Morgan Freeman's great in it. The story is good. Even, um, is the it Kurgan? The Kurgan's in it. Yeah, mm. is it uh, Bob... Uh, Gumpton or whoever it is that's mm. in it you know the whole thing works it's a good movie I just I'm just not I'm just I suppose this I, no I'm not it's, this isn't Forrest Gump to me that Forrest Gump is to you because you mm. don't like Forrest Gump I like Shawshank Redemption I just don't see it I just don't I, I do there are bits I love there are certain scenes like the the kind of you know the you don't feel um, any bones yeah, yeah, yeah maybe that's what it that's is fine. that's, that's alright it's not last week with um who talked about last week? The director. Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson. It's like Wes Anderson for me. I just don't feel it in my bones, but I know they're good. Mm. They must be. Um, Ed Wood, which is, I think, Tim Burton's best movie. Yeah. I think Ed Wood, and I, I would argue that it's, um, it's probably Johnny Depp's best movie as well. Or The Drunk Pirate, which is a weird sentence I never thought I'd say. And I think Ed Wood is the celebration of bad movies and the bad directors, but what I think they give to the character, the, the, 
the real life person of Edward is they give him like someone who had a love for film mm. who just wanted to create. He didn't really mind that they were the worst films ever made. He just had a love. Um, there's that famous actor that plays Lego Bogosi who does a phenomenal job as well. I think Edward is like a genuinely great film. Mate, I was fucking, this film, when I found it, I'm going to be watching this film, Meryl Streep and Kevin Bacon, The River Wild. Have yeah. you seen this film? Oh yeah, yeah. What an amazing film. Yeah, so Why it, don't you get films like this anymore? That is, I, mean, I can't remember where it's said, but it's that, it's, it's going upstream, isn't it? Yeah, it's Meryl Streep has to take the, the, the baddies up yeah, river. Because they've killed her husband. Yeah. And they, they tie the sun to the raft so she can't capsize it or anything because I, I, because it still doesn't make sense how the husband survives and then gets in front of them. <laughs> but it's, it's pure a nineties uh, action, isn't it? <clears throat> Absolutely brilliant. Great film. October. Again, little giants, Rick Moranis. He's taking on his older brother and they're, they're going to create a little giants team. Uh, the local t- the local, uh, the city town has mm. two teams and they've got to fight each other to uh, play each other and the winner will become one of them. That sort of film that you just don't see anymore. Mm. It, was, it was okay. It was all right. Big, big film now. Pulp Fiction. Juggernaut. Juggernaut of a film. We, we, I know, I know it's time will come. We'll talk about it in more detail at a later date, but still one of maybe Tarantino's best films. His yeah. Best, is the most intricate. Certainly rewatchable. Definitely. Iconic, iconic cast, iconic characters. Mm. I mean, considering Bruce Willis was doing North with Elijah Wood this year and then this. And John Travolta, his career was dead. He's yeah. literally dead. And, uh, oh, Samuel L. Jackson. Oh. My favourite take on horror now, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, I think is is an absolutely brilliant, if you don't know that story, um, it's actually set in the real world. So the actor of Nancy is being haunted. An evil spirit has basically taken on the form of Freddy Krueger. So there's an actual real-life Freddy Krueger that's haunting uh, Rupert Edlund as well. He's actually really, the layers on layers. Wes Craven has a, had a mind, mate, that you was unparalleled. Yeah. You found horror in everything, and I, I just think it's something special. Mm. Yeah, I like New Nightmare. I had the box set of the Freddy Krueger movies growing up, and it was the one, again, younger, didn't appreciate yeah. it. You know, and, and when you're older and you go back to it, and all of a sudden you realise that many of the sequels are silly, rubbish, you know, and actually that that one is it's not really mm-hmm. good, really good. Now, go with the opposite end now, black and white. Birth of... One of your favourite directors? One of the most interesting people, definitely, in Hollywood. He's got an interest in everything. Yeah. Clerks. Kevin, yeah, Kevin Smith's Clerks. You know, which is, any Kevin Smith fan, is, Clerks is his, uh, Magnus Opus said it's the first movie that he brought out. I mean, I like Dogma as well, but <clears throat> Clerks is special. He's a really good indie movie. Mm. He's, he's, he's something pretty special, but I'll be honest, this was, <sighs> this was one of the first times as a kid I generally got really enthusiastic about an epic film and it was Stargate. Yeah. Fucking Kurt Russell taking on the Egyptian aliens. I remember the trailer because this is, I believe this is Roman Emmerich as well. This yeah. was his first one. And the man can make trailers. I, I swear to God, he got me on a young age. The trailer for Stargate gave you nothing. I didn't know what it's the hell James it was about. James Spader, isn't it? It's James Spader as well, going up against Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell's yeah. like, lost his. He starts that film planning to kill himself. Yeah, he's because he's the mercenary, isn't he? And James Spader's the scientist. Yes. And it's basically what they do in this world. And then, oh, do you know what? I actually, I want to rewatch Stargate because I loved it. I know a lot of, a lot of people didn't, but I really love Stargate. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we're nearly at the end. November, Mary uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Robert De Niro getting his uh, acting boots out and his hunchback. <laughs> his hunch on. Kenneth Branagh, though. I know. He started early, didn't he? <laughs> it, it, I didn't it's, like it. It's, no, I mean, De Niro... De Niro went for that Oscar, didn't he? Again, he did. You know, mm, he needed something. 
I, I remember weirdly this film being more grand. I, the people talked about it more than they actually watched it. Mm. I remember the poster being everywhere because it was Mary Shelley's and there was a lightning. I remember it being in my school in like the English teacher's room, but, but no one had seen it, but everyone had seen the poster. Yeah. Interview with a vampire or the vampire. Friend. Again, juggernaut movie, huge, huge movie, big cast, massive, great cast. performances in it. I mean, Antonio Banderas is, you know, Tom Cruise, with the Brad Pitt, Kirsten Dunst. It's, it's huge. It's a, it's a big movie. It's a dark, depressing, gothic. Christian Slater's in it. You know, he's actually doing the interview. <laughs> like, it's, it's, do you know what? The ending always surprises me as well. It, it, it's one of them films that, again, reading a lot of the Anne Rice stuff, I, I do think Tom Cruise got Lestat right. Yes. Um, oh, it's definitely a stellar performance. Yeah. And, um, and he certainly depicts that character really well. And arguably probably his most interesting acting choice by this stage. Yeah. It was something so different for Tom Cruise. Mm. And he very rarely comes out of his comfort zone. You know, action film is great, but this, he's, he's an arsehole. But I remember I remember watching this for the first time and thinking, oh, it's Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise. That's a double headliner. Like, mm. that's a huge, you know, like, uh, you know, two massive juggernauts going against each other. It's just so depressing, though. It is depressing. Um, can I use this next phrase? A more light-hearted film? <laughs> coming, coming straight out of France, Jean Rousseau, Natalie Portman, Leon, or The Professional. Depends which country mm. you live in. Um, one of my favourite films of all time. Love Leon. Definitely Gary Oldman's best performance. Gary Oldman's. In a linen suit. Never forget that yeah. suit is linen. <laughs> so... Yeah. I mean, nowadays he phones some performances in and he, he chews scenery, but this one, he, he brought 110%. He was amazing. Yeah. I think he's a great, he's a great, he's a great contrast as well to the, to the silent, the silent hitman who like only cares about a plan. Mm. There's a director sequel. There's I actually technically, a director's cut that I technically own with a lot more in it, which I actually don't like. It, it adds a lot more of him training Natalie Portman's character, how to be an assassin. I actually preferred it when he didn't do yeah. that. Yeah. It actually takes away from the story, I think. There's, it's too much of a good thing. Mm. So I recommended the original cut. Star Trek Genera uh, Generations, this one's just for me. This was the film that obviously brought um, Kirk and Picard together. It's, it's, oh, it's that one. It's not a very good one. It, it's a very disappointing one. It's yeah, the Andy one McDowell had a year, because he was in this as well, wasn't he? This was Malcolm McDowell. That's what I mean. <laughs> he, was, he was everywhere. <laughs> um it's disappointing. It's not what everyone had. I mean, this is one of those things that fan fiction was actually better than the outcome. However, I love Star Trek, so I loved it. <laughs> 10 on 10. Yeah. Greatest movie ever made. It was just for me. Junior. Arnold Schwarzenegger, he had a year. <laughs> first, first of all, there's that scene. It's the pregnancy one, isn't it's it? It's a pregnancy one with Danny DeVito. I can't really say much more. You've summed it up. <laughs> it's, it's the pregnancy one. It's a, it's an odd movie, isn't it? It's, it's a weird premise. I don't understand why you get Arnold Schwarzenegger. Was he going for last guy? <laughs> It's just like, you just done true lies. Yeah, do you, want to, uh, do you want to do this film? Well, what's it about? Who am I kidding? No, no, you're going to be a pregnant man. Okay, sold. I imagine Danny, I imagine he must have had fun doing twins and Danny DeVille was like, as a joke, was like, let's do this film. And he yeah. said, yes. He was like, oh shit, <laughs> I'm, I'm committed now. Um, and November ends with The Page Master, which as a kid, I absolutely adored. Mal uh, Macaulay Culkin is an animated film, goes into different various big, books. Big year for Macaulay Culkin, third movie. I would like to point out as well, because he's going to show up in a sec, is he must have been working consistently because uh, the film I mentioned earlier, Getting Even With Dad, he's actually a teenager, he's got long hair, he looks built up. In December, he actually is in, we'll start there, we start with Richie Rich, where he's younger. So obviously a lot of extra work went into, mm. must have taken a longer year to produce, which obviously it did because of the grander sets, there was more CGI. But Richie Rich, I remember thinking, he's got his own McDonald's arsehole. 
fucking prick. I, I look, but going page master, I love this movie. It's always an unsung uh, animation as well that I don't think gets the um, attention. Talk about it, yeah. yeah. Like, I, cause like, like I always say about Brave Little Toaster, mate. It just doesn't get the attention it deserves. It doesn't. I. I wonder if that ages well because I haven't seen the page master since I was probably that age. Yeah, well, it was. It's the storm, isn't it? Runs into the library, yeah. gets sucked into the book, as you do, as, as you do, especially yeah. then. Um, December, Dumb and Dumber. We kind of spoken about it before. It, it doesn't age well. It's hilarious. As a child, as a kid, some of the funniest shit, mate. Mm. He gives the <laughs> they kill him. <laughs> he the the scene where Jeff Daniels is just endlessly shitty. <laughs> Yeah, and it, to the point where he has to throw the, he has to tip the toilet out the window. <laughs> you've got, you've got Jim Carrey in the scene that I think is very underrated. He walks past that news clip in, and he says, "Man's landed on the moon," and he goes, "Wow!" <laughs> just I don't. Uh, there's also, there's, there are some elements that are just pure, like when when Jeff Downs is freezing his hand, his ass off, and he's like trying these extra gloves, and he like <laughs> didn't tell him like the, the little things like that are funny, <sighs> and that um that that bit as well is like who finally meets the love of his life. And it doesn't go the rom-com way. He's not going to sweep this woman off her feet. You know, and um, she's like, even if you're the last man on earth, and he's like, so there's a chance. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, little Women. Probably the, the, the when you think of the Little Women, obviously we had the Sha- uh, Sasha Rowan one last Sasha year. Rowan Sasha Rowan in the uh, yeah. This is probably the one, you know. This was... The Winona Ryder The one. Winona Ryder one. This is probably the one you'll always... This is the one... They'll always try and beat, I imagine. Mm. It is the one. Um, Christian Mad- Bale. Christian Bale, yeah. The the Madness of King George, which is a film that I've never seen, but it's actually weirdly, because I used to get all of these films on uh, X, X Rental from Blobbuster, mm. it, it was always a trailer for this. <laughs> so I've seen the trailer about 8,000 million times, but never actually seen the film. And there's only one way you can end this film, uh, end this year, with his magnum opus. It's the greatest achievement. It's... Stellar casting. It's great writing. It's the ability to bring your childhood to life, mate. The questions that you wanted asked as a child. It's like, why do these people fight? And they fight in the streets for our entertainment. He's going to go uphill. He's going to kick some ass. Now, who's coming with me? Street Fighter. It's not a Christmas movie, is it? It's fucking not. <laughs> when should we bring Street Fighter out? Well, we don't want, we don't want it too close to time, cop. Let's push it back into the end of the year. Oh... Which Street Fighter is? We talked. We did a Street Fighter episode, didn't we? That, that yeah. was a movie they rushed to get onto they screen. They desperately wanted that. Out. Yeah, they're trying to beat their own games, weren't they? The only thing about Street Fighter is genuinely, Street Fighter is based on the game. Mm. Street Fighter, the movie, the game is a thing. They vented. Yeah, they, yeah. they made a game that they want. So I want them to turn that into a film. <laughs> I'm desperate to see Street Fighter, the movie, the game, the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's it. So that was 998. I'm going to put it out there. It doesn't start off strong, but in its summer once it really does pick up. I don't think it's beating that year. Oh, no, no, I can't remember what year we did. <laughs> but um, it's, it's a good year. There's some highlights in there, but there is some of the worst films imaginable in there. I'm just saying that I like this year because it speaks to my childhood a lot. And I, I've picked up some films here that I'm going to go watch, like Getting Even With Dad. I haven't even thought about that film since last I saw it. And The River Wild, amazing. But Natural Born Killers, True Lies. There's a lot of fun to be had, and Speed is probably... I think speed, I mean, if, if, if you're into your actions, you know, speeds, true lies are great. Your Pulp Fiction, your Leon as well, kind of hit four, mm. four solo movies. For me, it is Leon. Leon's the movie of this year. Oh, I'm saying now the one I'm most interested, after reading, after looking at the year, the one I'm to go back and watch is actually Stargate. Because mm. I've genuinely, 
miss that feeling. So I said this when I talked about Dune. Um, I, I used to go to the cinema and the feeling of the epic, you know, when you saw Star Wars, mm. you, despite the fact that I thought the prequels were crap, in the cinema there was that electricity. It's something different than you get from a comic book film. You know, you, you in these epic films, you get like these massive sceneries and Dune was that. And I got that feeling from the first time I ever remember really getting that feeling of, of what cinema can be, the epicness, was probably Stargate because I was a stupid child. Yeah. <laughs> but, but Stargate to me is, is kind of special. Like James Spader picks up language. I'm not joking about two minutes. Yeah. It's just like, it's like oh, I, I don't understand what this last symbol is. Don't worry because there's a room and he finds it. That was lucky. <laughs> Didn't actually have to do any work. French Stewart's in this film. <sighs> I think... The, the, it's a weird year as well for just for when they came out and again there may be some variations with international oh, markets yeah. but you know Street Fighter in December why the crow didn't come out around Halloween considering <laughs> it's based on the night after Halloween yep. you know it, it it's a bit odd isn't it the, the, when when these films kind of came out but I think yeah Leon is the the, the one I'm taking away Leon Pulp Fiction um, yeah there's some there's some good underrated gems obviously, in there obviously Baby's Day Out and Leprechaun 2 obviously yeah. obviously the greatest films for our generation but yeah River Wild they don't make them action movies anymore oh 98 well it was, a, it was it's not beating that one I'm afraid so this, the one to beat is still 98 99 I genuinely can't remember what you did 999 is still the one to beat it's yeah. still the one to beat yeah but 1990 was good uh, 1994 yeah, is, it's good. Yeah, it's good. It, it gave it's itself good. a good innings. And it's always good to refresh what movies came out of you. I'm a bit exactly. of a nerd when it comes to years and what, you know. But it's always good as well to um, to pick up some future ideas for films that we could do on this podcast. I see a Baby's Day Out special. I see a Baby's Day Out special as well. Um, let us know in the comments, in your review, or just online anywhere, what is your favourite movie from 1994? James, you're taking I'm Stargate. Taking, I'm taking Stargate. Not for anything, but just just that sense. But obviously, it's definitely Leon. <laughs> yeah, it's Leon. It's Leon. Uh, we'll be keen to find out what you think. Thanks for downloading this episode. Don't forget to subscribe. You get a new show each week. Um, that has been our love letter to 1994. Hope you like it. If you don't see you later, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Goodbye. <laughs>